listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. challenged and I'm not saying that just to get an amen from you I'm amen of myself I, I challenge myself when I preach and I want you to know that we don't stand here and preach messages that God hasn't first preached and dealt with us and is dealing with us in our lives and wow that's just I've been looking at my life this week and saying am I really being salt am I really being the light that God wants me to be because I don't want to think I'm doing something that I'm not I don't want to be something that I'm not. And we're just really excited about this Salt and Light series. This series is actually going to be in two parts. And how we're going to run that is on Sundays is going to be slightly different to Wednesdays. Because what we're going to do on a Sunday is we're going to deal with the characteristics of Christianity. What being a Christian needs to look like in our life. What it has to look like in our lives. Being that salt and light that the world needs. And what God wants to use and how he wants to use us. So that's what we're going to be talking about on a Sunday. But then on Wednesdays, we're going to talk about the realization, perhaps, of how our lives really look. What really is going on in our lives. And we really have labeled our Wednesday nights this, being a Christian atheist. Being a Christian atheist. We know what an atheist is, someone who doesn't believe in God. So when we add the Christian to that, What does that mean here? That we believe in God or say we believe in God, but we live as though he doesn't exist. That's a problem there. That's a massive problem. So what we're going to do on a Wednesday night is we're going to take the mirror out and we're going to look at our own lives. And we're going to look at what's really happening in each one of our lives. Pastor Pete brought an incredible message to each and every one of you last week, if you were here, talking about, we say we believe God, but do we really know Him? And one of the things that we discovered through that message is this, a lot of people know of God, but they don't know in God. They don't have a relationship in God, they just know of Him. And God doesn't want us to have a knowledge of Him, God wants us to have a knowledge and a relationship in Him and something that constantly unfolds in our lives. So tonight we're going to continue that thought. And here's the thought for tonight. We're going to say, do we believe in God, but yet we have no fear of God? But we do not fear Him. That we have little or no fear of God in our lives. Statistics tell us that three out of four people, in fact, I think it's closer to 94%, 94% of people in this nation say that they believe in God or a God in some shape or form. But I'm sure every one of us can agree that 90 plus percent are not serving God. They're not saved. They're not living for God. So what do we see with that? They know God or they believe God, but they don't really know God. 
And there's another thought to that too. It's they believe God, but they don't really fear God. They don't really fear God. And what has tended to happen today is because we have lost the fear of God, and you may say, what is that, Pastor? Hold on, we're going to get there. But because they have lost the fear of God, what our Christianity has turned into is this, customized Christianity. It's become a customized Christianity. What we've done is we take what we like and then we reject or get rid of that which we don't like or we kind of act ignorant like, oh, I didn't know that. So we've got to that place where we try to customize and here's what we've labeled it. We've even labeled it spiritually, okay? We've given it a spiritual name. Are you ready for the spiritual name? We've called it personal conviction. So what we've said is this, you know, I can go to any kind of movie, watch any kind of junk, filth, listen to any kind of thing because I'm not personally convicted about that. I can go this way and I can do this and I can, because I am not personally convicted about that. You know, the Bible doesn't speak about anything as a personal conviction. It speaks of conviction, period. What does that mean? God doesn't tailor-make his word just for your life to fit your fancies, to fit your desires and your needs. God's word is in black and white and it's for everyone across the board. So what is for Pete is the same for Rob, it's the same for Rich, it's the same for Mel, come on, it's the same for Courtney, it's the same for every one of us, but man has labeled it as something that I can personally work out and I don't have a problem with that so therefore it makes it okay. And really the cause of that It's not us really picking and choosing. It's because we've lost the fear of God. What do I mean by that? If we lived with the fear of God in our lives, we wouldn't do half the things. We wouldn't go to most of the places we do and we wouldn't say half the words that we do in our lives. And I'm going to prove that to you tonight. I remember, uh, you know, I'd love to say I remember as a kid, but I'm a big kid. I I loved going back to England because there was a store. They closed it down just recently, and I was so sad last time I went back to England. They closed down this store called um, Woolworths. You used to have Woolworths here, too. Woolworths was great in England for one thing. They had a lot of great stuff, I guess, but I only ever went to Woolworths for one thing, candy. They had the most incredible pick and mix. Anyone know what I'm talking about, the pick and mix? Anyone love those stores where you just go in, it's just like all those tubes, you know? The only problem is they don't let you have many free samples. You need to try and taste stuff, don't you? But you're not allowed that. But I would love to go in, and that was my favorite, going in and picking out the candies that I like. Now, I don't like that, but I'll have this. Or I don't like this and this and this and this. And you know what? You don't like other people to mess with your bag. You know what I'm talking about? As much as I love Kelly, she's like, put some of that in and have some of that. I'm like, man, it's my bag. Get your own bag because I, I don't like that. And it's not that I don't want to share. You can have all the candy I like, but I don't want to have apple candy. I don't want to taste your cherry stuff. I, just give me the stuff that I like and, I, and I'm going to have all this. The pick and mix. And I thought, man, that's how many of us do church in God. We just go down and we pick what we like and we mix it in with everything. But I've discovered this, that may be okay for candy, but it's not okay when it comes to your relationship with God. It's not okay when it comes to your relationship with God. I want to read a great story from the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you maybe tonight to just turn those open to Genesis chapter 2 and follow along on the screen and 
and just with everything. I, 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 I still think there's something special about bringing your Bible to church. I'm kind of old-fashioned with that. I love all the tablets and just everything, and that's great, and it's a great tool, and use that. But there's something about just getting an old Bible out and writing down notes and just hanging out with that kind of thing. And, and I encourage you to bring your Bible to church for one reason, if only this reason, to make sure what we're telling you is the truth. Come on, make sure that we're telling you the truth, that we're reading you the truth from God's Word. But listen to the stories from Genesis chapter 22. Actually going to read 13 verses. And again, can we read this story tonight like we've never read it before? Can we do that? Can we just ask God just to reveal it to us like we've never seen it before? Because just as I went through it today, I was like, man, I can't even imagine the feelings and the emotions that must have been going through in Abraham's life at this time. So what does it say? Genesis 22, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Remember that. And God said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And God said to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Can someone just say, wow? I mean, God's like showing up and saying, Abraham, he's like all excited. Yeah, God, what's up? How are you doing? And he's all excited to hear. And God's like, hey, take your son. He's like, yeah, we're going to go fishing. Cool. God's like, yeah, your son you love. Go to Moriah. Oh, man, great. Yeah, yeah. And offer him. God is very specific. God says, I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering On one of the mountains, I shall tell you. Just funny story. This is Luke's least favorite story in the whole Bible. He absolutely hates. We just read this the other night, and um, he hates this story. Because when he was a kid, he says to me, Dad, do you think God will ever ask you to do that for me? And and I said, well, maybe if you're bad, he will. No, I'm only playing. I'm only playing. But what does it say on verse 3? You've got to catch this verse 3. I'm going to come back to the points, but I hope that you catch them with me. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. That's a phenomenal verse there, because the words begin, he rose early. I don't know about you, and I'm, I'm trying not to preach this passage because this isn't really our message per se tonight. But I don't know about you, but if God's telling me to go and do something as painful and as hurtful as offering up my son, I'm definitely not going to be rising up early in the morning and ready to go at the crack of dawn. Come on, I, I'm going to be dragging, I'm going to be complaining, I'm going to be moaning. But what do we see? He rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He's taking care of his business. He goes out and he splits the wood. Could you imagine every axe blow as the axe split the wood that you knew that that wood was going to be the tinder and was going to be the fire that was going to consume your son. That you Imagine what must have been going through his mind if he could almost even see the wood with probably tears streaming down his face as he was chopping that would, and then what does he do? He arose and he goes to the place where God told him. Wow, what obedience that we see in his life. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. For three days he carried that pain. 
And Abraham said to his young man, you stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. What faith. Come on, what faith, what faith. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. Imagine that again, putting that on his son, knowing, son, you are carrying something that is going to kill you in a few moments. He put the wood on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself. God had already provided. Come on, God had already provided. God had already told Abraham what he was going to do. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And the angel said to Abraham, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I now know that you, catch this, what? Fear God. I now know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, here's the thought, since you have not withheld the most precious, costly thing in your whole life, you have not withheld that from me, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 12, now I know that you fear God. Have you ever come to that place in your life where you've looked and said, okay, God, point taken, but could you have not done it another way? Come on, have you ever been in that experience in your life that there's maybe heartache and pain you had to endure, but on the other side of it, you realized that God's hand was in it all the time and now you're a better person? Come on, whatever was going through Abraham's mind, okay, God, point taken, but I mean, my God, could you have not chosen another method to prove the fact that I fear you? Anyone with me with things like that? But what do we see here? No matter what, we see this. In true fear... We see this, complete obedience. In true fear, next slide if you can, in true fear, we see complete obedience. The fear of God in each one of our lives will manifest itself in total obedience. No other way. Because if we're not going to obey God, then it proves that we don't fear God thus producing the customized Christianity because we live how we choose instead of really living according to how he's already chosen. And because we have lack of fear, therefore, we live how we want and we say, hey, God, whatever, you're not going to do anything. I'm safe. Everything's good. And we almost thumb our nose up at God and say, now what are you going to do about it? 
We're not talking about fear. Here's what you've got to understand. We're not talking about the fear of something that repels you from it. Anyone afraid of snakes and, or spiders or roaches or just something like that? Afraid of the dark? Don't put your hand up because we may laugh at you. No, only play. But what do you do when you're afraid of something like that? If you're afraid of a spider, you're not going to run up to a spider and go, Ooh, I love it. How are you doing? What are you going to Ah! You're going to run away from it. If you're afraid of the dark, what do you do? You turn the light on because you've got to get rid of that thing. You don't want to have anything to do. You don't want to be clear, close, or even near to that thing. How many can understand that's not the type of fear that God wants us to have in our lives? God desires to have an intimate, close, upfront relationship with us. So he doesn't want us to look at him like a spider or a snake and something that repels us because of the fear and like, ah, I don't want to be there. That's not the fear. I heard this example of fear. And I think this is really good. Godly fear is this. Are you ready? Look at this. Godly fear is this. It is loving God plus respecting God, which equals fearing God. The godly example of fear is loving Him and respecting Him that produces the fear of Him. What do we do when we love Him? We love Him for who He is. Who is God? He's the kind of God that even before we turned to him, even in our trespasses and sins, he still loved us. He's a God that loved us before we loved him. That's great love. Come on. That's the love that we need to have for him, the love of what he gave and what he did for us, but then also the respect that we need to him. Respect the fact that he's a sovereign God. That we need to live in awe and wonder of his greatness and his majesty and his awesomeness and the power that he possesses. Like Pete said today, when he walks into a room, come on, things have to cease. They have to vanish. They have to go. Man, the respect that I want to have to a God that is able to do all of those things. Think about that and everything he wants to be in my life. So think about this. It's loving God but yet having such a respect for God that you don't want to displease Him. You don't want to disappoint Him. You don't want to upset Him. But you want to love Him and respect Him so much that you will end up fearing Him, being obedient to Him, and doing everything that He asks of your life. I think godly fear as this. This is my definition of godly fear. You ready? Knowing the heart of God. You may say, what do you mean knowing the heart of God? I just think having the fear of God is just having such a love and respect for truly who God is and everything about Him. And as a result, wanting to live my life in such a way to please Him no matter the cost. When I see the heart of God and know His heart that He has for me, come on, I want to love Him and respect Him and do everything I can not to disappoint him in any way, not to displease him in any way. But I want the words I say, the life I live, the example I live, that no matter the cost, to be pleasing to him. And that's what we read of in Abraham's story. Whatever Abraham had in his heart or mind that he thought God was going to do. Maybe he thought that God was going to raise his son from the dead. Maybe he thought God would give him another son and God would bless him. I don't know what was going through Aaron um, Abraham's mind. People have speculated, but no one really knows. 
But can I tell you, whatever was going through his mind of what he thought God could do, he first had to be prepared to kill his son. It would still cost him having to kill his son. He loved and God so much to be obedient to his word that he was willing and prepared to go the whole way of offering up his son. If that's what God, God, I love you that much. I respect who you are that much that if that's what you want of me, God, I've just got to trust you with my life because I hold you in such awe and wonder and reverence that God, I know, even though it may look tough right now, I know, God, this is not going to be the outcome and not going to be, I don't know how, and God, I know what I've got to do to project, I don't know, but God, I love you, I have that much fear. Wow, can someone just say wow right now? When you think about that, he knew the heart of God. Abraham had to know the heart of God. When I say fear is knowing the heart of God, he had to know the heart of God because you're not just going to go out and do something like that if you don't really know the heart of the person who's speaking and asking you to do that. Because if it's not a sincere thought, you're not going to want to do that. If it's not a sincere request or a legit request, you're not going to want to be involved in that. But you've got to have knowledge of the heart of that person to be willing to give it all. And to lay it all out there. He had to. If not, he would not have obeyed. You see, his love plus his respect equals his fear of God. Or let me say it this way. His love and respect that he had that produced the fear that he lived in for God allowed him to live in the obedience that God needed for him to walk in. Come on, we need to walk in obedience. How do we do that? Love and respect and awe and wonder for God. The fear of God. And that type of fear is a righteous thing. You know, righteous can be one of those biblical words that we kind of lose what it means. It means just really this right living. Come on, it's a right thing. It's a good thing. It's a righteous thing, meaning a good thing. But notice this. As we live in the fear of God, which is a good thing to do, God says there's promises that come our way as a result of that. Abraham got a ram in the thicket. God provided for him. And in the same way, God can provide for us. Look at these scriptures. Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. My God, we need more wisdom. So what do we need? More fear. We need the fear of God to have a love and an awe and a wonder for God that is the beginning of wisdom. It's just the beginning. Come on. It's endless what we have when we live in that state of fear before God. It's the beginning of such great things. And we need wisdom in our lives. Proverbs 14 verse 27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Man, that's a good promise to have right there. That when I have the fear of God, it wants to be a fountain of life, to bring hope, to bring well-being, to turn me away from the snares of death. What else do we see? Proverbs 22 verse 4. It says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. The fear of God produces something, makes way for things, the promises, the blessings that God has for each one of our lives because God only rewards those who are faithful. Or let me say it this way, God can only reward obedience. God cannot reward sin. He can only reward obedience. And what produces the obedience in our life? The love and the respect that we have, the all the wonder 
of God, the fear that we have of Him. But here's the problem with fear. Most times when we talk about fear, fear for many years was presented in such a legalistic way. And if we don't watch, we can swing the pendulum completely one way or to the other because the the pendulum swung one way can be this. It's all fire and judgment. It's all damnation. You're going to hell. There's nothing, you know, you've got to be careful with that. Now, what they're saying is truth. I mean, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. All those things are true. But then we can, if we don't watch, we can let the pendulum swing too much the opposite way. And what is the opposite way? All grace and love. Come on, there's forgiveness and there's nothing that you can do and, and everything's going to be okay. God knows your heart and God knows. And, and if we don't watch, we can lose the balance. We can become judgmental with it or we can lose the balance and we can become too free with it. We've got to find the balance. Come on, say with me, truth and grace. You see, the truth is this. We are sinners and going to hell unless we repent. Come on, the truth is this. There is the grace of God, which is the forgiveness. But listen to me. Truth on its own and grace on its own are incomplete. But they need each other. What does it say? The Bible says of Jesus, when he came to this earth, he came to bring truth and grace. Come on, he came to give the balance of those things. He gave both the truth. What's the truth? We need to repent. We can't live like hell and expect the blessings of heaven. We need to repent. That's truth. But then there's also grace that he wants to give us. What is grace? Pretty much the help that you need in your life to make the right choices and the decisions. And we need to have that balance. And that's why many times when people talk about the fear of God, it's almost off one way or it's just kind of completely forgotten and swept under the carpet. No, we've got to have a balance of the fear of God in our lives so we'll live a balanced life. Because just to teach fear from one side is not complete. Because it involves both sides. Because both are incomplete with each, without the other. They need each. And the evidence of a balanced life is going to be an obedient life. Because come on, if you're living over here and you're living in complete fear and terror because if you just step out, God's going to send you to hell. Listen, that's going to paralyze you. You're not going to be able to live. And then if you're living over here that anything goes and you can live how you're not going to choose to follow really God. You're going to choose to follow your way. And there is a way that seems right to man and it's a way thereof of death. That's the way you're going to follow. So we see what happens is we need the obedience of God in our lives. Craig Rochelle made an incredible statement when it comes to fear, and I wrote it down so you can see it. He said this, fear is an an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. Isn't that powerful? Fear is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again, in any circumstance, I'm going to obey God, even when it may be easier to do something else. How powerful, how powerful is that? It's a life that declares and lives. It's all about God. Come on, it's a life that realizes it's not about me and what I want. It's a life that's all about God. Why? Because I fear God. Because I love and respect you. And now, God, I want to fully obey you. If we were to define most people's spiritual walk with God, here's how it would look. Are you ready? 
I will serve you, God, but. I will serve you, God, but. There's an attachment to it, in other words. I wonder tonight what your but is. I wonder what it is. I wonder what it would be. I wonder what your customized Christianity looks like in your life. Oh, God, I love you, but I'm not willing to let go of this because I still enjoy that. God, I want to serve you, but God, man, I still like to do this and still like to... God, I love, but I love you, but... And this is why I really believe, and I'm so excited about this series, because I really believe the buts of our life need to be exposed and they need to be addressed. Because if we're truly going to be the salt and light of the world, we can't live a customized Christian life because we're going to be preaching and reaching with diluted results, watering down the purity of the gospel, and it's not going to be so life-changing as God wants it to be. We can't say it's okay to do things that are wrong, even if legally, and we know the laws of this land have been changed. Even with that, we still have to follow God and what His Word says. Because when we stand before God, we're not going to be judged by the laws of this world. We're going to be judged by the laws of God's Word and the principles and the requirements of God's Word. So we need these things exposed in our lives. For what reason? Because I can't keep living and. I can't have the attachments to our lives. Our lives need to look like this. Are you ready? Because of Him, because of His greatness, because of everything that He has done for me, I fear God. Period. That's where we need to be. I love and respect Him so much that I want to follow His Word and be obedient. I'm not in a bondage to that. There's liberty in that. There's freedom in that. There's blessing in that. There's fruitfulness in that. Listen to the scripture from Psalms 36, verse 1 and 2, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says these words. Sin whispers. It says, Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. Could it says, Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Let me say that one more time. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no what? They have no, have no fear of God to restrain them. They have no fear of God within their hearts. And the thought is to restrain them. And in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. What does it say, sin whispers? I wonder what sin whispers. I think we all know what sin whispers. Oh, it's okay, no one's watching. It's just a little bit, everyone else is doing it. Oh, it's not going to hurt you. God doesn't care about you anyway. Come on, sin whispers what lies. Because that's all sin can whisper, lies. If you want to know if the enemy's, the devil's lying to you, if his lips are moving, he is. Because he's the father of all lies. But I'm telling you, what sin will whisper to your life is nothing that's going to promote you eternally. It may promote you in the world's eyes and it may get you fame and fortune right here. But we're talking about, we're eternal souls, not just souls right here. Come on, uh, we're going to live for eternity, whether here or in hell, I mean in heaven or hell, we're going to live for eternity. We've got to start making decisions eternally minded. 
So sin is whispering to try and destroy that future. But one thing we know about sin is sin is whispering stuff that we like to hear. Because sin's going to appeal to our desires, isn't it? Oh, come on, just go ahead and do that. You know you want to. Oh, you need another drink. Go on, you just need... You can do it. Come on. It's going to whisper. And I'm telling you, I know this passage said, and sin whispers to the wicked and to those who are unsaved. But I want to tell you right now, this isn't just for the sinner and the wicked person's problem. Come on, this is every one of our problems. Sin whispers to each and every one of us. And the Bible says that if we don't have the fear of God in our lives, guess what's going to happen? It's going to result in us having an unrestrained life. An unrestrained of life. If there's no fear, there's no guidance for our life. And if there's no promise, there's no future. So as I close tonight, I want to ask you two questions if I can. Two questions tonight. Question number one. In what area of your life are you not fearing God and not obeying Him? Come on, in what area of your life are you not fearing God and you not obeying him. What part of your life has God got his finger on? Maybe he's pointing to and he's exposed and we probably know exactly what that area is. But what area of that life is that? And then the second question is just as powerful and that is this. What are you going to do about it? Come on, what are you prepared? What are you going to do about that? What practical application are you going to have? What soul-searching response are you going to have to those areas of your life? Because I'm telling you right now, to not have the fear of God, you're not going to obey the God. And if you're not going to obey God, then one day you're going to stand before Him and He's going to say, sorry, I didn't know you. Because God cannot reward anything but obedience. And what produces obedience? To even the point of giving up that which is the most important thing to you because you love and trust and you know His heart so much that you're willing to do that because you fear God. What practical applications need to take place? And really tonight, we're not just talking about what not to do. A lot of times when we talk about what's God addressing in your life, most of the time that we think it's the sin and we need to get rid of those things. But maybe God is also addressing some things in your life that he's told you, you need to step up and do this. You need to serve me. You, you need to sign up. You need to do that. You need to change your attitude. Do you notice that? It's something that we maybe need to do too. It's not just what we need to stop doing. Maybe it's something we need to start doing and start doing it right in our lives. Stop being obedient because obedience is not doing what's wrong, but then obedience then has to be but doing what's right. The Bible says that we have sins in our life of commission and omission. You know what that means? The sins of doing wrong and the sins of not doing what we know. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do right and doeth not, to him that's sin. So what area of our life are we saying, you know what, I'm not really fearing God in that. I'm not going to pay my tithes. I, I don't fear God in that. I'm not going to quit I'm not going to quit doing this. I'm not going to quit sleeping around. I'm, I'm not going to quit living together and sin. I'm not going to quit those kind of things because you know what? That's my personal conviction. Everything's good. What area of your life are you not fearing God in? Because that area you're not going to be obeying God in. You want to know what fear really wants to do in each one of our lives? 
Fear desires all of God. That's what it is. Fear says, I want all of God. And in order to have all of God, there's got to be a whole lot less than me. I've got to get out of the way. Because fear desires all of God and God requires all of you. Let me say that one more time. Fear desires all of God and God requires all of you. Let's love and respect him so much that we will fear him. I'm going to end almost where I began. If we really truly feared God in our lives as we should, we probably wouldn't do half the things that we do. We probably wouldn't say half the things we say. Why? We've got to bring fear back into our lives. Silly illustration, but I remember as a kid, and even still to this day, I still kind of have the heebie-jeebies. Anyone know what the heebie-jeebies are? When you walk into a church or you walk into something where there's all the lights out and no one's there. And I remember as a kid walking into a church and just you just almost had that fear of God that you just were kind of walking in and it was just kind of that. And as a child, you didn't really know how to break that down. So it was almost like that fear, like, I've got to do right because if not, oh. But as you get older and you begin to develop. But you know what? Every time I step into the church and the lights are maybe not on and I just wander through, I still have that inside of me. But now it's not a repelling fear. It's an attracting fear. That I want to say, God, you are in this house. But God, I want to be your house. And I want to live in obedience to you. And I want to serve you. And I'm glad that I have that feeling when I come in here because you know what? I never want to lose the awe and the wonder and amazement I have of God. I want to always have that in my life because that means then I have the fear of God. Don't be a Christian atheist. Don't say I believe in God, but you don't really know him. Don't say I believe in God, but I don't have fear. Because I'm telling you right now, if you don't know him and you don't have fear, He doesn't know you. What do you mean, Pastor? He doesn't. Oh, he knows you. But he doesn't know you in the way that you need to be known as his child, a child of God. He still loves you and he still wants you. But in order to be known by him, he has to first know you. And you have to know God. And you have to fear God. Would you just bow your heads all over this place right now? The fear of God. The beginning of wisdom. It's life. It's riches. It's blessing. It's knowing the heart of God. It's being obedient to you, God. It's every head is bad. And if you want to close your eyes, that's fine. Any people tonight would lift up their hand and say, I'm living a customized Christianity. Come on. I'm living a customized Christianity. It's awesome. Awesome. You can put your hands down. What about the questions we asked? What areas of your life do you not fear God in? How many people would say right now, you know, 
there's areas of my life that I don't really fear God in. And therefore, I'm not really obeying God in. Come on, let me see your hands to that. Really, to be honest with you, it's the same way of saying the same thing, isn't it? There's areas of my life. So what was the challenge that was given to every one of us? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because, you see, just to acknowledge the problem doesn't solve the problem. It's surrendering it. Thank you. It's giving it. It's laying it down. We can say, oh, I'm a sinner. But saying I'm a sinner doesn't save me, does it? It just admits of who I am. But what saves me is saying this, I'm a sinner in the need of a saviour. Would you come into my heart and life and change me? So I don't want us tonight or in any message that we ever hear, I don't want us just to say, Pastor, that's me, that's me, that's me, without us saying the next thing, and that's this. God, that's me, but I want to change that. I'm just not admitting the guilt. I want to step into his grace, to his forgiveness, into his mercy. Trey just sings or plays whatever he feels there to do. You know what I wanted to do? Can you turn those lights off up here, Megan? That would be great if you can. Here's what I want us to do tonight. Can we just find a place to pray? If you want to go and walk at the back, if you want to stay where you're at, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to lay flat on your face, you kneel, stand, if you want to come over to the cross, whatever you want to do tonight, can we just find a place to pray all over this place? And just make it right with God. Can we just do that? Can we say, God, I want to live with such fear in my life that will cause me to have such obedience in my life like never before. And God, whatever that looks like and whatever you require of me, God, I want to live in such obedience to you that I'm prepared to do whatever it takes just to serve you and just to live for you. Come on, could you just find a place right now, wherever that may be? Just ask God right now. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.